day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. We're so glad to have you here with us. My name is Jonathan, and we have a friend on the line with us all the way from uh, the Garden State, New Jersey. We have uh, Tiffany Hardenberg with us, and so, Tiffany, welcome to the program. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah, so, um, Tiffany, I want to just dive right in because I think you have such a, a great uh, voice to lend to the the women in our audience, especially to the wives in our audience. Um, and I, I wanted to have you on because I think you have a... Um, uh, a unique perspective on this. Um, And so could you give us, give our listeners uh, just a little bit of even kind of your own backstory of, of um, how you're in this space of ministry to, to women and to wives? Yeah, sure. I am just a fan of keeping it real. I really love authentic conversations and Something that I feel very called to is having authentic conversations about sexuality and specifically encouraging wives, because let's be honest, being a wife is not the easiest, I don't want to say job, isn't the easiest blessing in the world to carry. And so um, I have just felt probably for, I'll say about four to five years now, a call on my heart to just really encourage wives and not to give necessarily advice, but to just say, hey, I'm in the same boat and I am no better than you. And let's just learn from one another and encourage each other to love the Lord even more and have our wifing reflect that. And so um, I did grow up in the church and I did, I went to a Christian camp. I went to a Christian college. I went to church twice a week back when that was a thing. And um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I was just growing up in this wonderful community of believers. But then when I hit maybe like college age, I decided I know nothing about sexuality. I know nothing about what it means to be a wife. And what does the Lord have to say about all of this? And so because I feel so free and excited about having real conversations with people, I just took that calling and ran with it. And so now I do host a podcast called Pursuits of Passion, where it's just for us, you know, us ladies, and talk about all things that surround wives and what you deal with and also their sexuality. Well, let me just commend you for stepping into that space, because I would say that I think uh, a lot of uh, women or just a lot of people in general that would have some of those questions that you were having would not be so bold as to necessarily just dive in to those conversations. So I want to commend you and also commend God for making you with the personality that you have <laughs> that's willing to just say, hey, you know what, I'll I'll pose the first question. I'll jump into the hard conversations because I think we need more people that are willing to do that because you've probably experienced this where um, once that ice is broken, it's like the floodgates can open and now there can be real release of maybe things that have been pent up for years, things that have never been spoken of. And so one of the things that I would love to, I've got a, I've got a series of questions that I'd love to just kind of pepper you with in this conversation. And I just want to start specifically with this question of, of what challenges do you believe that most wives and specifically most Christian wives have when it comes to issues of sexual intimacy, sexual brokenness, Um, and and maybe do you see any difference between conversations that you're, you've have with women 
that are that maybe have a more a longer history with the church versus those that don't? And just can you share with us some of the challenges that you're seeing Christian wives face in this area? Yeah. Um, I think the shorter answer would be if I answered the question, what challenges don't they face? <laughs> because I would be mm, yeah. able to list them pretty fast. But the long question of what what challenges do wives face, it, it, it's long. And there's so many facets to it. You know, there's a mental side of it. There's a physical side. There's a spiritual side. And there's an emotional side. And what I've found personally in my own life, and it was affirmed by the people that I'm surrounding, is that when you have questions or doubts or an experience that's negative in one of them, it trickles into all of them. Mm. And that is just something that us women in our brains, and that's how we're wired. But um, to answer the question of what do most women in, I'd say, the Christian community um, face is these misconceptions that have been given either directly or indirectly from the church community, but also from the culture. Because if you are a Christian woman growing up in a church or or maybe you went to the church later in your life, you're hearing conflicting messages from the culture and the church. And arguably neither of the messages, I would say, are the ones that are the most healthy or the right message to be receiving. And then when you carry them into your marriage, I mean, these misconceptions can wreak havoc on your marriage. And so I have a girlfriend um, who has vaginismus and that was an onset and a physical reaction to these things that she learned from the church. And um, it was really difficult for her to endure in her marriage. And it's still something that therapy is helping and it's still something that they're walking through in their marriage. But that is a huge um just deficit that she's experiencing that she did not even fathom would be part of her journey in sexual intimacy with her husband. And so Mm -hmm. um, having that physical barrier is really difficult. And so for my own story, it was these misconceptions that I carried in that from the culture I'm getting that sex and sexual intimacy with your spouse should be hot and steamy and amazing and always erotic and you're constantly having it and it's always panting and sweating and all of the things. But then from the church, I'm getting don't address anything sexually until there are two rings on your finger and one on his, and then all of a sudden, then it should be something that's happening all the time. And for a wife, it should be something that you are doing for him. And so Mm. these messages that were carried into marriage for me, they were both very conflicting, but they were also both very damaging. And when I got into marriage, Mm -hmm. I looked at my husband and I'm like, what's wrong with me that I don't wanna pounce on you every single time we partake in a sexual act, I don't, I don't understand. And so that Mm -hmm. journey of trying to figure out this struggle and reach healing from those misconceptions was definitely something that did not happen overnight. Yeah. And I think, um, navigating those, uh, messages is so important. So, Considering the, that specific message you're talking about from the church, that one that is basically saying, listen, 
certainly don't have any any kind of sexual conversations prior to getting married. And then once you get married, you know, it'll just all work itself out. It'll be hot and heavy. It'll be wonderful. God designed it. Um, but almost underneath that, there's also the message of like, but really it's only for procreation. So don't get too excited. You know, don't, don't, how would you sort of deconstruct and reconstruct that message according to more of a biblical framework so that it doesn't, it doesn't swing so wildly to either, you know, um, uh, kind of pie in the sky hope or complete desperation and hopelessness around issues of sexuality. How would you reframe the message that you would want to give to a wife to give a clear understanding of what is the picture of sexual intimacy in marriage? Yeah, I think it, I think it starts with your idea of what, what is sexual intimacy and what is it meant for? Because if you're believing that sexual intimacy is meant for pleasure and that is what is really being communicated, that is really damaging and detrimental to what you're trying to create with your spouse, which is that one flesh union. And so when you understand that sexual intimacy is not ultimately for pleasure, it is ultimately to reflect something that is so sacred and so special. And you're able to reframe, like you said, um, this, this construct that we have in our marriage it turns into something beautiful and it, and it takes away the pressure to be able to perform and have it, like you said, hot and heavy or have it be taken away from, um, it's a woman's duty or he needs it. Um, and it turns into something that is a spiritual act and it is something that is so beautiful. And so when that transformation happened in my own heart and in my own life, it was like, someone opened the curtains and it was summertime. I mean, it was amazing mm -hmm. to now have the pressure taken off of you and have this union become what it was truly meant to be is that reflection of how Christ loved the church and have that physical, tangible glimpse of what the Lord is trying to draw us into intimacy with him. It's just refreshing. It's just so refreshing. And I want that for all wives. That's why I have mm -hmm. a podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, would you say it's, it's, uh, cause as you're saying that and, and tell me if you think this is a, is a fair sort of parallel metaphor. I, th I think of our relationship to food, you know, and if you swing to one end and say, listen, food is just about pleasure, you know, well then it's probably going to lead to gluttony and you're going to be obese, Right. But if food is merely like this utilitarian fuel for my body, then how, you're probably not going to have much of an enjoyable experience with food. And so there's, but at the same time, the, the entire focus of your life can't be on food, even though food is a necessary part of your, your being. Would you say there's a little bit of a parallel to that in the marriage relationship as it relates to sex? That it's like, listen, if it's all pleasure, it can lead to all kinds of damaging sort of gluttonous things. If it's only like utilitarian procreation, then it, it can become very stale and bland. But at the same time, even finding that healthy aspect, it's not the point of your marriage. It, but yet it's a really important aspect of kind of the life-giving um, realization of that oneness that God has created. Is that a fair Yeah, I like that analogy? analogy. Yeah. Or, 
anything with food. I, I... <laughs> no, I think that that that's a very fair analogy. Um, when you have something that is so multifaceted, I feel like your brain as a human, you want to be able to fixate on one part of it. And so mm -hmm. you want to be able to, it's almost, it's almost just a testament of how simple-minded us humans can be. <laughs> you know, we want to be able to fixate on, like you said, the, the gluttonous part of only fixating on the food, but there's danger in that. And there's danger in the other side of it as well. And so the analogy I think is spot on. Now, obviously, we know that the that God's design puts two very different creatures together in this marital union. You've got a man and you got a woman, right? Can you talk a little bit about um, what does kind of the imbalance of moral expectations have on women, especially when they intermarriage? And what I mean by moral imbalance is there's sort of this notion that, um, if I can put it in these terms, sort of sexual sloppiness, sexual moral immorality when it comes to men is sort of under this umbrella, ah, boys will be boys kind of a thing, right? A parallel similar kind of sexual sloppiness or sexual immorality for women is often put under this umbrella of like slut, whore, you know, there's really this negative. It's not brushed aside. What kind of impact does that moral imbalance have, do you think, on women coming into marriage and trying to even figure out sexuality in general? I mean, to put it very simply, just a whole lot of shame. I have so mm -hmm. much shame. Um, yeah, men men are encouraged to exercise their their drives, their natural drives filled with testosterone. And this is how they're biologically created. And so because some may say they can't help it, it is brushed aside. And then in, in some um, circles, in a lot of society, it's encouraged and, and congratulated. And unfortunately for women, it's not the same. And you're right, there is an imbalance, unfortunately. And so for women, not only can you not partake in similar things as what men would partake in and um, be held at the same standard or expectation like you were talking about, not only can they not do that, but they can't even speak of struggles in wanting mm -hmm. to do this. So specifically in, in the church culture, growing up, I remember having a conversation with someone about, um, I knew what a condom was. And it was as if I had just cursed someone to hell by saying that mm. word condom. And the person looked at me and were like, did the whole, I'm taking it back. Like my neck goes a little backwards. My chin dips like, mm what did you say? I had just uttered the word and I immediately, immediately felt shameful for just saying it. And mm -hmm. so I, I can understand from just that experience alone, what some women might be feeling with even stronger urges, stronger temptations, or let's not even mention women who endure trauma or endure abuse of the sexual nature 
And so when you've created this imbalance morally that a woman can't even express anything of the sexual nature without having shame washed over her or names be called or questions being asked as if, well, what were you wearing? Um, what did you do to mm-hmm. him? Things of that um, nature. It is just so shameful. And then when you carry shame into marriage, I mean, th- that just, well, then, again, wreaks havoc. And then to kind of piggyback on, uh, to piggyback on that, how do you feel like, because again, talking about kind of the, the church culture, and, and sometimes we've heard in recent years, you know, talking about the, the purity culture, or the purity narrative that was pretty prevalent through kind of the early 90s to early 2000s. Um, how did, how do you think that only exacerbates the shame that many women feel around their sexuality, around their struggles, and certainly around what it means to actually have have an intimate relationship in their marriage. Yeah. Um, and, and first of all, can you can you maybe define for our audience how you would describe the purity culture? Yeah, sure. Well, or the purity narrative. Well, first of all, I just want to preface this conversation with: I love church. I attend church. Um, I think church is fantastic. And I attend a church full of sinners who don't make great choices all the time. And that's the beauty of communing with people who are loved by the Lord. However, the church is a community of sinners. And there are some things that have happened in the church that aren't perfect because we're following Jesus. We're not following the people of the church, right? So I don't want this to come across as me speaking poorly about the church. However, I want to be honest and say, hey, there were some mistakes. And what came out of it was the purity culture. Again, you had given some of the history, the timeline, but basically what it was, it was just this time in which women were valued in their virginity. And it was almost as if it were part of their identity and how they were valued by the Lord was dependent upon their virginity or not. And so um, what had happened was just all of these women were um, asked either subliminally or consciously or not um, to behave in certain ways that would protect the man's sexuality and their urges. And so whether it be what she was wearing or how she was dancing or what she was saying, it was really hyper-focused on the women. And um, what that did was that carried, had this generation of women who felt so responsible, not just for their own sexuality, but also for men's sexuality, that it became extremely damaging. And um, you had asked how it negatively affects marriages. Well, again, that shame piece, just carrying in um, whether she was tarnished and I'll, I'll put air quotes around mm. that word, whether she was tarnished was, again, something of of the purity culture's narrative is that a woman, if she were partaking in anything sexual, she was tarnished and she came in not whole as a woman to the marriage. And when you start to believe that, that is going to have meant, like I talked about before, mental, emotional, physical repercuss- repercussions on your sexual intimacy. Um a story really briefly that I had endured was um, I went to this Christian camp and they were all in the purity culture. And um, I remember talking to one of my counselors who I looked up to very much. And I had said, why aren't we allowed to wear tank tops? 
you know, like the about three to four inch kind of like just, you know, short shirts. And she had said, well, men can't see your collarbones. That will make their minds wander. And so this was a, I was probably 10 to 12. And this was a woman who I had very much respected as my counselor. She exemplified many of the things that I think a Christian woman should at that age. And she's telling me that I can't show my collarbones or I'm going to make a man, a man wander. And so that was, that was just something ingrained in me. Um, And that's such a heavy weight. And, And I think about so many women that, um, you know, one of the things that I saw as kind of a, a side effect of the whole kind of purity movement was that by placing these very, very particular expectations onto these women, um, it immediately shut down honest dialogue, like authentic conversations like you were talking about earlier. Where does this leave the 13-year-old girl who's really struggling with pornography? Or where does it even leave all of the girls who have suffered some kind of abuse? Because if they're tarnished, even if there's been some kind of abuse, there's just so much, it actually it actually pushes that brokenness further into secrecy yeah. and, and the dark. Um, and, and, and so th- talk a little bit about, um, you know, when that, when that comes into a marriage, when there's that amount of shame, that amount of probably secrecy, you can't, you've never had a conversation. What kind of effect that can that have on the kind of sexual intimacy that that couple can now have? Because there is this wife who's carrying all of the shame and has all of these really um, outlandish and false expectations of how she should be sexually. Well, you, you just don't talk about it. And then when you don't talk about it, that just is where the devil lies. He grows there. He, he thrives there in the darkness. And these women, unfortunately, or I'll say us women who have hidden things from our husbands because of feeling shameful, um, the dialogue, like you had said, it doesn't occur. And then when he may do something or say something, it can be an immediate trigger. And Mm. when you trigger a woman, whether it's from past abuse or a past experience that was negative, or whether it was something that she had prior misconceptions of, and you, you trigger that thought that is just so broken and negative, it can turn into a downward spiral. And, um, I mean, we don't have to be rocket scientists to know that secrecy within marriage is probably not the healthiest thing to to partake in um, when you're in a, a union with someone, but that's what it causes. It causes secrecy. Mm-hmm. It causes um, suppression, like you were talking about, of these emotions and to thrive in your marriage and to truly reach that one flesh union, it has to be brought up. But when you've been raised that you don't bring these things up and you don't talk about them, and if you do talk about them, there's something wrong with you and you should feel ashamed and guilty of them. I mean, who wants to what feels like blow up their marriage with past secrets like that? It's just not a welcoming environment for that. Um, What is that's what it feels like as a wife. When, as you're talking about kind of all that discord that it creates, uh, because there's not the freedom to speak honestly about 
your past or about the, the brokenness, about the confusion, the struggle. I want to ask you, why do you believe that uh, God did create sex and sexual desire to be so powerful? And then why is it that that is one of the primary targets that Satan goes after in a relationship? Why is it the primary target? Because he knows that it is the one thing that God created to make his love and to draw us in, make his love known so clearly to a married couple and to draw us in so intently, whether you're married or single, into intimacy. And so why wouldn't he try to attack that with brokenness, with lies, with trauma, abuse, all of that. And so, um, I mean, I hate talking about, about the enemy, but it is something that he uses because God is so great and he's so powerful and he did create sex for an absolute incredible reason that I'm so happy that we get to talk about because I, I want mm -hmm. all wives to know that I want all people to know this, but specifically I want all wives to know that this is something so beautiful that God did create. And so although the, the devil might be attacking it and although he uses it so frequently um, as a source of pain that the Lord has created it so powerful for a reason for a very distinct reason. Yeah, if you think about it, it's like it's like the clearest picture that he could give us of the kind of closeness and intimacy and oneness that he desires us to have with him. Um, so it would it would serve to reason then that the one thing that provides the clearest picture of God's intimate love for us would then be the center of the target that the enemy would be trying to destroy, disrupt, distort. Um, and you see that through all the ways it's distorted with pornography and sex trafficking and all these types of ways in which that one aspect of our humanity, our sexuality, is distorted and, um, and uh, you know, diminished in value. But I want, I want to ask you, I want to kind of turn, turn the tables here a little bit because um, we've been talking a lot about the, the struggles, the challenges, the, you know, the shame, all of these things that are barriers to sexual intimacy in marriage uh, for wives. And, and I'm not saying it's not for husbands too, but we're here talking about wives. Thinking of all of the, the women in our audience that may be out there and they're going, I am struggling right now, or I have never told my husband X, Y, or Z, or we never have these kind of conversations, or I am filled with shame and we haven't had sex in three years or whatever. What kind of message of hope would you want to offer to those women out there? And maybe how would you help them think about what they're, potential next step could be towards better understanding and then also better um, embracing of God's design for sexual intimacy? I think my, from my own personal walk is just start searching, start searching um, for whatever it is that you, you want to tell your husband, search for maybe not the best way to tell him, but start searching for a community of people maybe who have gone through this something similar. Start searching for a mentor. Start, just start the process. Um, 
and yeah, just open, open it up, open up the conversation because there is freedom in truth and honesty. There is so much freedom and, um, a verse that this past year I have just really clung to, um, is in the Beatitudes, Matthew five and six. And I've had it actually very close to my TV on a little note card. And it says that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. And when you're searching for righteousness or, or right doing or being right by God, you will be filled. And so Mm -hmm. I can, you know, I could list a a bunch of different, different um, communities to, to search through um, for different unwanted sexual behaviors or something that maybe you've gone through trauma, but really that hunger and thirst for righteousness that you may have, the Lord has something in mind for you. He already does. He already knows that person you need to go talk to, to ask, hey, how should I bring this up to my husband? Or that podcast you need to go listen to, or that website you need to go check out that can really be encouraging to you. And so I guess my my um, advice is just to start, just start somewhere, start somewhere. Yeah. Well, and I would just, I want to also encourage uh, you, Tiffany, but also all of the other wives out there. I think it's also really important to um, remember the um, that how God's eyes see you, you know, that there is a beauty in you because you're made in his image. There is a loveliness. There's something that can't be tarnished by whatever the enemy has done, whatever another man has done. It's like, I think it's so important that identity piece of the value that you have as a daughter of the king as a daughter of of God. And I'm not saying that there's some kind of magic formula to how you begin to embrace the truth of that identity. But I think I just want to kind of piggyback on what you're saying about searching, about trying to start to kind of figure out how are you going to take your next steps. And I think one of those is also to be reminded that you have such great worth that is not defined by anything that you think about yourself <laughs> or that anybody else has said over you or even done um, to you. So um, what are some of the what are some of the resources that you might encourage wives to to check out as they are kind of continuing their own journey of either healing or growth in this area? Yeah, I I just want to actually say thank you to to that piece of encouragement because it does mean a lot. And when I was talking in the beginning about misconceptions, that's a big one that the enemy uses mm-hmm. um, about a woman's worth. And so I appreciate that encouragement. And the lady who's listening to this, I'm sure she will too. It's not an easy road to realize your worth. And when you read through the scriptures, you understand it. But to truly believe it deep down in your soul, it does take so much work. It does. And and reading and continuing to read and be reminded of the scriptures and just by God using you today, Jonathan, to utter those words, to remind the woman listening and myself of my worth. It's just really, it's definitely an encouragement. So thank you for that. Um, but to answer your question about the resources, I just came across um, a book not that long ago from someone that we both know she was a she was one of the authors in it and it's called sanctified sexuality it is phenomenal it it Mm -hmm. really goes through 
all of the many different topics surrounding sexuality. And so I think a lot of women could really feel encouraged and learn a little bit um, in that resource. I know, Jonathan, you have groups for women um, with your ministry, which I think is incredible. If you're looking for something specific, um, your website, it's very easy to use. I'm very thankful for it. And there's groups for women right there. Um, there's also mm -hmm. podcasts you could listen to if you're not really looking for a community quite yet and you're just looking for something to read. Um, there's um, the Java with Julie podcast, which I know, Jonathan, you've been a guest on quite a bit. There's this mm -hmm. this Pure Sex Radio. Um, my podcast is called Pursuits of Passion, and that's more of just an encouragement podcast, not necessarily um advice or learning a ton. It's really just, hey, come alongside of me because you're not alone. Um, and then finally, I just, I just love all things community. And if, mm -hmm. if you listening are not ready for that, I, I absolutely understand. But specifically, Jonathan, with this COVID year, I mean, sense of community mm -hmm. has really been in the pits, <laughs> if I could just speak candidly. Yeah, yeah. And so, man, that is so tough, especially when you're going through something. Um, my husband and I right now, it's it, it's a mental health um, struggle going on. And when you're not in community with others who can uplift you and to help you through brokenness like, like that, or a sexual brokenness like we're talking about today, man, it is, it is, um, much more difficult to endure and to, mm -hmm. and to really seek the truth. And so again, I'll just encourage, find a community on your page has, has those groups, which I'm sure would foster that. Yeah. Thank you, Tiffany. We're going to be uh, listing a lot of those resources in the show notes for everyone. Um, but Tiffany, thank you for continuing to, to put your voice and your life into this space. Cause I think um, you, you know, you will probably never know this side of heaven, how many women that you have encouraged to take that next step. And so I want to just encourage you and thank you for being with us today and continuing to give um, women uh, a safe bridge to cross into these conversations. So thanks for being with us. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. And listeners, um, we want you to get the help that you need. So please reach out to us. You can go to our website at puresexradio.com um, or you can follow us on Twitter at Pure Sex Radio. But we are so glad that you've been with us and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.